Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Hello, friends. Another episode of the Insecurity Project podcast. I'm here today with my good friend, Nikhil Badkundri. We're talking all things sport and insecurity. It's a topic we haven't covered before, but a really exciting subject. Uh, sport, yeah, sport in itself is exciting. Amity, my daughter, asked me what I was doing this afternoon. I said I was going to watch a bit of sport. She says, oh, what sport? I said, just anything I can get my hands on. <laughs> I just got a KO subscription and... I, I don't, my thumb are only just recovered from the Olympics, actually. I thought I was going to have to have surgery just constantly. But, yeah, the, the uh, KO, it's not doing good things for my thumbs. Um, but, look, yeah, we're, we're talking about the impact of insecurity on sport and how peak performance athletes have to manage their mental game as well and their beliefs and what's going on inside. So uh, we'll dive into that in a moment. But, uh, Nikhil, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate sharing um, your entire platform um, with me. It, it certainly is a pleasure just to be on this and given, you know, the platform to just share my thoughts and talk about something that is so dear and uh, so close to my heart. Yeah. So thank you. No, great. It'll, it'll be exciting. So let's start where I start with all my guests. Tell us a bit about you and how you got here. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by uh, the beginning of the story and, you know, growing up, whether you you had insecurity, you know, and the impact your parents had on on you as a young man. Uh, so tell us a bit about your backstory, so that we can understand. Yeah, yeah, of course. Who you are and how you got here. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'll start with your second question first. Um, so um, I guess starting from my childhood, um, I was always um, told that I had all the skills um, in sport. Um, I was fantastic. I had all the talent. But my talent never really translated into something um, tangible, be it, uh, you know, on the field. And cricket was my sport of choice back then. Uh, and cricket's all in the mind. Um, to an extent that I sort of um, went for selections um, under 19 and under 17. And, you know, I was just the best looking batsman in the nets. Uh, but when it actually came uh, to a practice game, there was just nothing about us. I was probably out in the second or the third ball, if I remember right. Um, so sport had always been something and the translation of that sport into something tangible when it comes to on the field performance it was never something uh, that I could um, deliver on um, day in day out I mean sure there were uh, moments in there where um, I was playing to prove my family or playing to prove people wrong um, and then that created fantastic performance um, but that was just far um, in between in terms of creating that performance. Um, so that, that, that's where the interest really peaked. Um, sort of just taking you back to, I guess, why sports psychology and sort of what is peak performance mindset. Um, um, I've been in Australia for about 11 or 12 years. Um, you know, I worked in corporate um, all my life. Um, over the past few years, the constant thoughts that were circling in my head were more along the lines of, um, what am I doing here? Um, is this the right thing to do? Um, am I actually contributing? I mean, I need the money, so 
uh, I'll just keep on doing this. But my interest uh, was never really uh, working in corporate. Um, and then, like how things sort of eventuate, um, went through uh, a relationship um, ending. Uh, and that just, you know, um, uh, as I say, heartbreaking uh, is hard opening. Uh, as a result of uh, that relationship ending, uh, there was just so much in me and there was just so much surrender to all of those thoughts that were in me. Am I doing this right? Am I leading my life the way I want to? Um, that gave me access to, no, you're not. And, you know, all of that needs to change. Um, and the perennial question that I asked is, okay, cool. So what is it um, that I really want to do about these things? Um, and uh, that's where I still starkly remember um, and me sending you an email that night uh, and then, you know, you and I having that 20, 25 minute uh, text conversation um, that just really gave me access to what I really wanted. And what I really wanted to do was to transition um, from corporate into helping um, people or sports professionals um, that really access that peak performance state um, that exists um, within them. Uh, that's a very long-winded answer um, to, to a couple of questions that you asked, um, but the key points in there being um, being a sports professional or an athlete myself in the past, uh, I know how hard it is to consistently show up day in, day out um, and ensure that your performance is at the potential that you think that you are at. Um, and then what, that doesn't happen, there are cascading effects um, not just um, uh, on the day uh, and the sport that you play, but also everything that happens around you in, in your life. Yeah, sure. So uh, going back a little further, your interest in sport. So, you know, cricket in India is a big deal. Uh, I, imagine, I imagine if you don't grow up uh, enjoying cricket, then then perhaps that that's probably more difficult. You know, it's probably the norm for people to want to play cricket and play cricket well. Is that is that cultural expectation that you'll play cricket and you'll play it to a high standard? Yeah, absolutely, and it, it is a bit of a rat race as well. It's like oh, I am uh, if I come with my bat and ball, I am going to be fantastic um, at at the sport um, and you know I always had my bat and ball with me and used to gather the kids around and play in the street um, and I'd sort of uh, try and tonk every ball that used to ball me um, used to pull you know, um, those balls at me just trying to tonk them everywhere I've broken a few glass windows uh, in my time uh, playing um, in the streets but absolutely that cultural expectation or the rack race that I spoke about earlier um, was always because there are so many people around you in a place like India, I mean, we're talking about 1.2 or 1.3 billion people, to make a mark, it was always you had to be their best. Mm. Um, and number two was just never really an option. So there was just that expectation of if I have picked up something that I'm slightly good at it, there was an innate expectation that I had from within wherein I just had to be the best at it. And mm. second best or third best is just uh, was just never really an option. Yeah, well, I spent a couple of weeks in, in Nagpur in India a few years back and uh, the the little kind of slum area where I was staying, there was a bunch of kids playing cricket and I'd just gone for a run and I came back and thought, oh, can, I, can I play, guys? Do you mind if I join in? And they were excited for me to join in. And uh, I, so I'm charging in off the long run and I just kept hitting, getting in <laughs> back over my head, over my, like these kids, 10, <laughs> 11, 12, just... 
And then, then it came my time to bat. I thought, right, now my turn. They're bowling doosras and wrongins and googlies and like who knows what's happening. I just got no chance. They all thought it was great fun, but just the standard of these kids, you know, with limited resources, who knows what kind of bat and ball we're even playing with. Uh, but, yeah, then the game ended when I broke a glass window and just the crowd scattered. So, yeah, yeah. It's amazing when that happens. It's like, well, you're the only person left. And then you're like, oh, no <laughs> one told me that we're actually supposed to run. That's that right. Happens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So so growing up with that culture, you're, you're kind of good at it naturally, but the expectation is you're going to be elite. There must be a fair bit of pressure. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Then how, how did you manage that pressure as a young man growing up? Oh, I didn't. Uh, I gave up. Uh, I gave up uh, when um, it was quite evident to me that, um, and my family as well, it was quite evident that I was not going to make a mark um, in sport. Um, so the way of handling pressure was uh, to turn a blind eye towards it, um, to actually not be um, in a state of, you know, everything that I know today, which is state of responsibility um, and the Lord. It was just giving up the sport. It was concentrating um, on um, studying. Um, and that was pretty much it. That, that was the end of my, I guess, sporting endeavor from back home um, in India. Wow. Uh, but dealing with pressure is a, uh, is an interesting one, though, isn't it? Um, I, I wish that I knew everything that I know today um, so that if I had to go and um, speak to that, um, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old Nikhil, and really tell him uh, what does dealing with pressure really mean, um, I, would, um, I would just do it so differently. And it really is that space um, of holding space for kids um, when they grow up. Uh, I mean, I'm not a parent and I can only speak from um, what I have seen and what I have um, learned and what I've experienced over time. It is Kids are that um, between that age group of, let's say, um, or when they start sort of understanding things around them, which would be roughly at about four or five, uh, all the way up until 12, 13, 14. Um, kids just want to, kids just want to enjoy. They just want to be, um, you know, hitting the ball, be it cricket. Um, they have this innate sense of just having or wanting fun. It is when adults start speaking to us, um, you know, when we are kids and um, adults come along the lines of, well, turn do this, turn do that, that is when we start developing, oh, if I actually end up doing this, then this would happen. Um, and just um, coming back to my own story, um, for me, that if-then-else conversation just became part of my norm, which was because I'm not good at cricket, I am not going to play it again, as opposed to I want to play cricket because I just love and enjoy playing it. Mm. Um, and uh, there was this perceived notion of if I am not going to um, be really fantastic at cricket, there is no point in investing time, energy, and effort doing it. Therefore, invest my time somewhere else, which was into um, studying. So it, it was amazing, like something that was happening um, in, in, the, uh, in the present, in the now, but there was this massive meaning that was placed on it in the future that I am not going to be anything um, in cricket, um, therefore, I have to give that up and just be something um, that I wasn't. Fan- I, I've never been um, academic, so I wasn't fantastic at it either. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the pressure was just huge. Yeah, it was fantastic, and that sort of also led me to 
um, over time, just because there was because it wasn't dealt for quite some time, the victim mentality, the YMB sort of just started to pop up in not just a sporting sense, but in other areas of my life as well. Sorry, Sorry, I did cut you short earlier. Well, no, I was just going to say, so then, you know, you, you left India and, and left your family, a very, very courageous thing, and moved to Australia, moved to Melbourne, didn't know anyone, uh, no contacts, and just kind of starting again. Uh, so that must have been a very, like another immense amount of pressure, uh, the pressure of being on your own and the pressure, pressure of having to find your own resourcefulness. Um, no doubt that was some formative years in your life as well. You must have learned a lot about yourself in handling that kind of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, it was almost a clean slate um, for me. Um, a lot of people um, ask me what is that I offer um, when I say peak performance. Um, and, you know, my answer sort of varies. I actually don't really know um, what I can offer you till I really start having that conversation. I mean, I can say, yes, I can offer you freedom. I can offer you awareness, action. I can offer you peak performance state zone, blah, blah, blah. Um, to relate that to your question, um, when I hit the Australian shows way back in um, 2010, starting with a clean slate just gave me complete freedom to just rewrite the story, um, just be who I wanted to be, um, just live my life the way I wanted to. And there was no... Um, even though there were these um, mindset barriers that I had coming from a place um, uh, like India, and I absolutely love the place. Um, you know, I go there almost um, every year and a half, and it's a special place. Um, but to come uh, to a place like Australia where the mindset and thought process is just completely different and that liberation um, was absolutely huge. And that just gave me a very different perspective on how um, people uh, look at life, therefore how people lead life and therefore how pressure is just something that is internal and it's not something that is um, outside of you, how the perception of, uh, and it gave me a massive um, um, gift of perception, which was whatever was happening outside of me is just really more of an internal reaction that I'm having to something and that is happening outside of me. Um, uh, and uh, funny example, when uh, I guess you and I were in Canberra uh, a few months back and we decided to go for the run, uh, you know, at about 6 a.m. in the morning um, when you were just wearing um, that, what, you know, and the long sleeves uh, top and I, you know, had sort of had three or four tops and then a jacket on top. <laughs> um, and I was asking you, uh, uh, do you actually not feel cold? And you're like, nah, I mean, um, this is uh, this is about four, three or four degrees, so therefore I'm wearing a long sleeve, so about six or seven degrees, probably be singlet uh, running weather. And, you know, just the point there being the gift of perception uh, and the perspective uh, is just massive. Like, even though it is cold and it is a fact that it is four degrees, but how much of that cold I feel is totally in me and my experience of that is very different um, to your experience and the relation of all of that is, you know, for our athletes and sports professionals, it never really is um, um, the theme of the situation. It is what they are making to um, mean about the thing uh, or the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's talk more about sport and let's talk about what it is that separates peak performers from those who have the skill, uh, are told that they've got everything that it takes to make it but never do. What, what's your observation around some of the, the real mindset shifts that 
the elite of the elite have that, uh, yeah, you, you think is really essential for peak performance? They just work with me. <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, uh, two things. Um, for me, it is being fully committed and totally unattached. Uh, fully so committed fully committed and totally unattached. Yep. So fully committed to the process and totally unattached to the outcome. Mm. Um, and this, the, this, this two part, which is a two way and a two B, uh, is um, awareness and responsibility. Um, so when I say fully committed, so let's talk about the first one. When I say fully committed and totally unattached is you're totally committed to the process of getting to an outcome, but you're not attached to the outcome. What I simply mean by that is as humans, um, we come from a place of living in the past or thinking about the future. Therefore, what skips us is the presence of, or the present moment uh, or us being present in that moment. When we think about something that has happened in the past and try and associate something that has happened in the future and, you know, there is a quote by someone and I um, forget um, the name, is um, past hurt um, informs uh, future failure. Um, and that is so true. Um, it, when, if, if I am facing a bowler uh, that I have gotten out to a couple of times in the past and I face him again and again the next time, all I'm thinking about is how not to get out. Mm. Um, and what that is leading is, or that, what that, sorry, what happens as a result of that is my presence in the current moment of what is just happening is just not there. Um, and as a result of, like, if we try and, you know, um, uh, switch to the scientific aspect of it, uh, which essentially is when I'm constantly in that state of fight or flight, as I call it, which is past or future, um, and I'm drawing uh, or I'm drawing from a nervous system, which is a sympathetic nervous system, uh, and that sympathetic nervous system does not have the actual resources to just ground me or to just keep me present in the current moment. Um, which is where uh, my work of, uh, or the statement that I made uh, is fully committed, totally unattached, um, sort of comes in. Um, to talk about the second one, um, um, awareness and responsibility. Well, just just unattached, just, just highlight that. So, um, you know, that seems a bit of a contradiction to be unattached. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's easier said than done to be unattached to the outcome because you want to win. You're playing the game to win. So to be unattached to winning um, seems like a difficult thing to do. So can you tell us a bit more about how that's possible? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, uh, unattached um, attachment. Well, let's talk about attachment and then I'll get to an attached. Um, attachment basically implies, uh, you know, uh, if we... Um, open up any psychology books, um, it implies care and concern. Uh, a lot of the time, most of the, uh, most of the athletes would be, I just wish I did not care um, as much about the outcome. My philosophy or what I really go to the table um, when I work with athletes and sports professionals is I want you to care. You know, I absolutely want you to care, but I don't want you to be concerned. Mm. And that the fully committed part uh, is the caring and the totally unattached part uh, is the concern. Um, and if we just really break that down, the caring is, I really love the sport, therefore I am playing it. 
and I am going to show up as the best athlete that I can on the day in that moment. The concern is if I get out on a duck whilst playing cricket or if I am not scoring the number of free throws while playing basketball, that's going to be okay. Like the concern of me not being good enough, the concern of what uh, the tabloids would publish about me, the concern of what my teammates would think about me, that is the part that we are separating. When we come from a place of concern, that's, that is when we start thinking about, sorry, when we come from a place of care is when we start thinking, thinking about things from heart. Mm. And concern is when we start thinking about things from the head and the way our brain works, which is, you know, conscious, subconscious brain, um, concern is mostly driven out of subconscious, which sort of is our stories of lack and limit, which again, just translating back um, to my example, um, it was always a concern of um, if I don't play a good looking cricket shot, even though it get, gets four runs or 10 runs, you know, my teammates are going to be like, oh yeah, that was just a um, shit shot or that was just more of a hack and you somehow have actually got that. Um, and then the concern um, or what I really wanted in that instance um, from my teammates was just pure validation. Um, yeah. And that is how I separate that. Again, a very long-winded answer, but... Um, no, it's good because that's that's really where the insecurity piece comes into. The, the concern yeah. is often the concern around what others think, the concern around need to be seen to achieve a certain... Yeah outcome so that you can feel good about yourself so that you can feel loved celebrated accepted so i think to really master that i care but i let go of concern it does require a very secure individual that they've already owned their value and worth and haven't attached it to that performance because you see yeah, it's it's we, sorry to cut you off i was just i was just thinking about um you know athletes retiring where they have found a, like they've been able to perform at a very high level, but they're very attached to that performance. And the moment they can't perform at that level anymore, they crumble as a human being. They do not know how to get out of bed in the morning. They do not know how to function um, and significant suffering. So it's a big deal. I, I like that distinction, care but not concern. Really important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, like, uh, there are plenty of stories. I uh, only have to go as far as um, Diego Maradona um, to what really happened to him um, once he stopped playing sport. Um, just never could get out of the actual funk. And, um, you know, there are plenty of stories that you would find um, on the internet as to how exactly he just completely ruined his life. Or just take George Best, for example, um, you know, at the tender age of uh, 49 when he was um, uh, the charm uh, within the English football at about 35, 36, you know, about 13 or 14 years, um, he had passed away. And the point of the day being that there is an identity that has been associated um, with that performance. Um, and the moment the performance is not up to the standard. The identity takes a hit. And once that mismatch happens, it's great when you're at your peak, but once that mismatch happens, the performance still remains the same because that's what people, quote, unquote, expect. Um, and the, uh, the identity just keeps on taking a back seat. And that is where um, if you aren't a secure sportsman or if you aren't a secure human being um, from within, that that just crumbles everything. Mm -hmm. And then um, you'd see a lot of people, you know, burnout, substance abuse, um, 
uh, you know, drinking issues, health issues, um, chronic illnesses, all of these are manifestations of that identity being attached to that performance and the identity away from that performance, away from the sport, not really being um, taken into consideration, which is, you know, my heart goes out to um, individuals, you know, and athletes going through that state, but it unfortunately is um, the reality. And that's why I just love doing um, this work um, with, yeah. Yeah, so we'll get to responsibility and awareness in a moment. You get your second point. Just wanted to, to ask you about Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka. The moment I, I saw uh, I saw Naomi's press review, uh, press conference after the uh, exit to the US Open. Shout out to Naomi if you're listening. Um, but yeah, just not not coping at the moment, really not coping. And she said, I don't even know when I'm going to play tennis again. I'm really not coping that well. And so clearly one of the most purely talented athletes of our generation. Uh, yeah, but not 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 I mean not coping mentally at the moment. Um, as opposed to Ash Barty, who I don't know, I don't know if she's as purely talented as a Naomi Osaka doesn't look i mean she's multi-talented she's played basketball and cricket at very high levels uh has she played basketball maybe she's definitely played cricket and she's called it uh she, she's got a uh, century for um queensland so yeah i certainly I think she, know that maybe golf i think i was getting confused with uh who's the tennis uh dylan olcott he i read oh, yesterday yeah. that he played he won a Olympic medal, gold medal, playing for the wheelchair basketball, Australian basketball team. Yeah, um, he's a legend. I love him. Yes. So anyway, back to, back to my question. So Ash Barty yeah. and Naomi Osaka, can you can you tell us a bit about what you think's going on for both those two fine women at the moment? Um, Ash Barty certainly Ben Crow is going on. Um, ben Crow is an uh, so Ash Barty works with Ben Crow, and I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing them. Sorry, I'm hoping that is Ben Crow. <laughs> Um, he works with Ash Barty um, on the mindset and performance side of things. Um, first of all, uh, before I get to answering that question, I think after winning Wimbledon uh, for her, for Ash Barty to come out and say that she's actually working with someone takes a lot of courage. Um, and, you know, hats off um, to her. Um, same with Naomi Osaka pulling out of the French Open. Um, and then, uh, again, speaking about the actual struggles um, that she's going through requires a lot of strength, requires a lot of um, awareness and, you know, just is so courageous. So hats off uh, to both of them, first of all. Um, back to your question. Um, I think Ash Barty, uh, that is what is going on for her. Like she actually works on that aspect of the game day in, day out. Um, and then uh, when we try and... Think about Naomi Osaka, um, and I'm going to slightly dive into um, cultures because uh, uh, not that I'm qualified to speak about cultures, but the culture uh, that comes with sport is there is a winning culture, and that is the winning mentality that has been ingrained. I'd like to assume that every champion um, has that winning mentality ingrained. What that results in is the winning mentality when that is ingrained in us at that level. Sometimes athletes don't know 
what happens when they lose and what are these emotions that actually come up when they lose. Mm. And there are a whole bunch of emotions. It is, you know, the fear of failure. It is the angst. It is the frustration. It is how could actually, how could I uh, lose to a qualifier? It is all of those things. How I could help Naomi Osaka, um, uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of things. Um, I think the biggest part in there to identify um, is um, just hold space um, for her. Um, it is okay um, to lose. Uh, you're not the first Grand Slam uh, champion um, that hasn't been able to defend her title. That is absolutely okay. Mm-hmm. Once you get to that space of acceptance, um, which sort of, you know, is a precursor to the point that, I was, uh, that we were talking about earlier, which is um, of excellent responsibility. It is knowing that losing is okay. It is knowing that being in that spot of, yes, I have lost and cool, and that's fine. Once we get to that state of acceptance, that is when we get, we are aware of what that is doing to us. So I'm not going to make things uh, up because I've, I've got, <laughs> I don't know Naomi on a personal level, but what I could um, assert is what she's going through is um, more of, am I a champion? Um, am I um qualified to actually play uh, at this level. I mean, these are just some of the things um, uh, or some of the narratives um, that champions have uh, and in my experience have, uh, have, have come through. Um, as a result of her going through um, that, the moment she's aware of those narratives, she will know how to take responsibility for it. Now, to um, uh, give you an example, um, let's say that Naomi is thinking, um, I am uh, a shit champion. Uh, I am um, frustrated as a result of this. Um, I think the real work in there is um, distancing herself from what she is feeling. Um, And then sort of coming back to the topic of care and concern, uh, distancing herself from the feeling and then reframing that narrative to what I'm experiencing is angst, frustration, dot, 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 as a result of losing to dot, dot, dot. The moment we create that space of experience or even just using that word that I am experiencing, dot, 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 it it gives you the opportunity or it gives the athlete the opportunity to actually question that, yes, am I really thinking that I am not a champion? Am I really thinking that I am not good enough to play at this level? And I think that is the key, um, where in the awareness sort of comes in um, and then you just take responsibility for it. And then once you take responsibility, it really is uh, uh, an easy road from there. And I say easy because, um, you know, this, I know the story always ends. Um, I know the story always ends uh, at, a, at a fantastic, uh, on a fantastic note. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. It makes a lot of sense. Now I like that. And it's such such a fascinating area to examine. I, I love watching and imagining the psychology going behind the scenes for athletes that separate them in crucial moments. I, I can re- vividly remember the World Cup final, Australia v New Zealand. I don't know if you remember watching that in, in Melbourne. Australia and New Zealand had shared the tournament. And so the Kiwis at home were just unbeatable. They were... Brendan McCullum was hitting balls everywhere. They were 
demolishing opponents. And Australia were playing really well as well. Uh, and eventually the two teams met in the final, the MCG, and it was the first time the Kiwis had played at that ground some time. It's a lot bigger than their grounds. Uh, yeah. the, the crowd was bigger. Uh, they just, you know, it was so interesting listening to two, the two captains before the game. Um, Clark was captain Australia. They just come from a huddle where Andy Lee, the comedian, was telling jokes. Uh, they were <laughs> so relaxed. Clark, Clark said in the interview, he says, oh, we've only really been worried about this game the whole tournament. This is the only game we've been thinking about. Everything's just been preparing, preparing for this game. Yeah, we're ready. We've been ready for this game from the start. Uh, yeah, we're ready. Um, that's, what he, that's what he said. Brennan McCullum, his interview was like, uh, we're not worried. We're not overawed. We're not afraid. Uh, we're not intimidated. <laughs> was, which for anyone who studies any kind of psychology means he is all of those things. Yeah, uh, and so although their their skill level and their performance was world class, their performance on that day was a disaster. You know, from yeah. from the first over when Stark came out and got Brandon McCullum bowled cheaply, it was all over, and uh, such a very clear picture of how much mindset matters when it comes to big performance. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, just sort of um, finishing the loop on Naomi Osaka, uh, I am in no way saying that um, everything that I've said is true for her and there might be, you know, 30, 40 other things and there might be a lot that might be going on in her um, personal life as well. Um, so 100%, um, you know, uh, she is a, as I said, she's just a bit of a legend to just come out and speak mm. um, and just that awareness uh, it is huge um, and that goes a long way. Um, coming back to Australia, New Zealand, you know, I am a cricket nuffer, a bit of a cricket tragic, uh, dare I say. Um, just hearing you speak about uh, Clark and Brendan McCullum um, and as, um, both of them as captains, um, and if we, again, like apply that psychology lens to it, um, Michael Clark was very sure on what he wanted, mm. um, whereas Brendan McCullum was coming out of a place of what he did not want. Exactly. Um, and, and it is so fascinating because um, when we come out of a place of what we don't want, that is when uh, we constantly try to, uh, I guess, tackle the problem or tackle um, what's going on at that circumstantial level. Um, whereas when we come from a place of what we want, it is that inner self of self-belief that I am going to achieve it. Um, Again, what we don't want sort of comes from managing circumstance and what we want um, comes from that root of the self-belief, trust, process, and the outcome would happen. Mm. Um, so, yes, and I was actually at um, the GUN, um, not just uh, for the 2015 World Cup, but um, also when uh, 2019, when the women's team um, lifted the World Cup, it was just, it was just spectacular. Um, the feeling of just being around 90,000 people um, and that euphoria and that atmosphere uh, was fantastic. And this is why I absolutely love sport um, mm. because the energy and the everything else that happens with it, you just latch on to it and you just want to be involved. You just want to dance around and party and all of those things. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, I want to ask you about amateur sport as well because not everyone's going to be able to represent their country or be the best of the best, but <laughs> but lots of people are, are serious about sport. There are lots of people who really want to be good and want to perform at their best. Um, so, so be fascinated by your insights for amateur sport. 
Uh, I, I know because mindset matters just as much at that level as it does at the elite level. And I, I played three seasons for the Golden Swans AFL team. And nice. I, I just <laughs> I was not tough enough to play football. I was very, <laughs> I'd never put my head over the ball, always afraid of getting hurt. Um, it certainly makes it two of us. <laughs> I was so excited for my first game and literally 20 seconds into the first game, I was flat on my back, being winded by some big guy from Yass. It just, <laughs> I just wanted, wanted my mum to come and look after me. And, but I just remember, I just there was one game for whatever reason. I just ran an experiment around mindset because I was always so afraid. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. Don't and and, and so, um, so I just thought. I'm, I'm going to not think about not getting hurt this whole game or I'm going to experiment with it, just a distraction. I'm going to be an angry bastard on the football field because plenty of my teammates, I had this one guy who on my team who was a priest, <laughs> a Catholic priest, lovely, mild-mannered priest off the field, get him on the field, and he was pulling world wrestling, world championship wrestling manoeuvres in back play. He was always in some oh, melee wow. and some dirty play. He was always <laughs> a horrible person on the field. And so I thought, I'm, I'm going to try and, like, be really rude and I'm not going to shake my opponent's hand. I'm not going to make friends with my opponent, which was my entire strategy before that. I'm make friends with my opponent. Love it won't hurt me. I was like, no, I'm not even going to talk to him. I'm just I'm going to niggle him. I'm going to be annoying. And it was extraordinary. I played my best game by a long way. Uh, I, I never went back to that because then it kind of clashed with a bunch of other valleys. I didn't really like being that guy, but it certainly made a massive difference to my performance. So what can you, what can you tell the amateur sports people listening uh, around how they, can, how they can access more magic and, and be in a high-performance state even when it's playing third-grade AFL on a rainy, windswept <laughs> field with not a lot of skill? Uh, fantastic. That, that, the story that you shared is just brilliant, um, you know, and that is uh, the trials and tribulations uh, of, a, um, uh, I guess, a, a professional or an amateur um, sports person um, trying to play um, great sport. Um, what I would assert uh, in your situation was um, you had let go of the fear of being hurt. Mm. Um, and when we try and, uh, again, just apply some concepts of um, psychology to it, our subconscious mind is trained in the way that can keep us safe or within the boundaries of the parameters of what we know. Um, and uh, what I would say, and you, know, you can tell me this is true for you, is um, you just wanted to be uh, safe, you know, not break a leg, not break an arm, uh, not do something to your neck. Um, However, the moment you challenged that boundary um, and you were um, sort of able to, I guess, lift your eyes and look beyond that boundary, that subconscious mind that had set up those rules, which is safety. Um, and I think you speak about that as a COVID safety officer, et cetera, as well. Once you had let that um, boundary go, it had given you access to a Jamin that was always there in you. However, there was something that was holding you back from getting to that stage. Um, just applying that to an amateur sports person, um, it's exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> there might be so many things that are happening in their life currently, um, be it they've got a one-year-old, um, they've, they've had a sleepless night, they've had a fight um, with their um, partner, 
um, they are not doing the right work and there can be you know a million reasons like that um it is about how do you not take any of those fe- uh, any of those reasons that are holding you back um into the sport that you play um and what i say is um life always throws off circumstances um to uh to i guess shed light on where you're not free um and what that simply means uh is you are resisting resisting something that is happening for you right now therefore you're not experiencing freedom therefore your performance is directly reflected um onto the sport into the sport that you play um and then the simple answer is how do you navigate back i mean there are plenty of things i mean i can sit here and tell you well breathing helps relaxation helps blah 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 uh visualization goal setting all of those help um yes they do but they do not help if you don't believe in self and believe in self um only happens um when you start taking responsibility for where you are at um so two questions um for an amateur sports person who is playing any sort of sport um just simply why are you playing the sport um and what do you hope to get at the end of it um again a very long-winded way uh, but i love to speak uh, in analogies and uh, metaphors Mm-hmm. um so i would leave um, the amateur sports person with those two questions why do you what, play the sport? what does that open up for them when they start thinking about why they're playing what do they hope to achieve what happens next for them it really is i mean if, if we try and take it back um to the basis of why we do anything it is to feel good from within mm. um and you know that, that is a fundamental nature of how uh humans are structured and how the inner wiring uh is um how often it it happens that when you walk down the street and you see a dog wagging its tail or um you sort of see a kid just ambling around in the park and it gives you that sense of happiness from within because that you're like oh this kid or this dog or this animal is just so happy um and they've got everything down back why how do i get more of that it's because throughout that journey um it is throughout the journey of us being adults that we have set up these barriers that stops us from, from being free and that's it um uh, that's the answer mm-hmm. i i love it and it's i love that it can be applied to people who are you know training for olympics or people who are hoping to get their club their first premiership and it matters just as much people find great meaning I, I, one of the things i loved most about playing local sport was the the meaning the that lots of people spectators even or ex players even gain from the performance of that team on a saturday afternoon and so uh if everyone's doing well and accessing their best then it's it's great for the whole community so uh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely it's a very interesting subject and you've shared some r- really wonderful tools um is there anything else is there anything we've missed that you'd like to wrap up by adding to the audience uh, around insecurity in sport and and the peak performance mindset now it's i think we've covered a lot um and you know i could speak about the topic for another um 3 4 hours or probably even 3 4 days uh, given an opportunity um uh, that's that that is how much i absolutely love um doing what i um do 
Um, if there is um, something that the listeners um, can take away from this um, is just, just know that this state that we speak about, the peak performance state or the performance mindset, um, merely in um, simple terms is called the zone. Um, and that state uh, is always within you. Um, that state is not something um, that is outside of you or external to you. Um, and you can tap into that state at any point in time. Um, it is not this magical, mythical um, state that people perceive it to be. Um, it is quite simply um, just something that you can tap into um, on demand. Um, there are certain things um, that go into or certain rituals um, that go into getting to that state, but it is quite simply um, just something that is um, within um, and something that I'd love to um, leave people on is, um, uh, again, a quote that is coming to mind is, for us to consistently be at our best self when it matters the most is about acceptance. Uh, and the quote that is coming to mind is, what has happened has happened, and it couldn't have happened in any different way because it did not. And when you just lean into that or when anyone just leans into that, it is just accepting that it has happened. Not saying that it was the right thing, not saying it was the wrong thing, um, not saying that is how you wanted it to happen, but it has happened nonetheless. And when you get to that state of acceptance, that is when, uh, you know, as you'd say, the magic just opens up um, and you can just be whoever you want to be. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Because it's, it's in that acceptance that you free yourself from the concern of needing to be other, needing it to be another way or look another way so that you could get more acceptance or approval. So that's the, the freedom. And, uh, yeah, I love what you said around being your best where it matters most. For some people, where it matters most is on the sporting field. And so if it matters most to them, then that's an important conversation and these tools will greatly help. So thanks so much, Nikhil, for Definitely. your time. Thanks for your wisdom. It's a really enjoyable conversation and I'm sure the listeners will find great value. Absolutely. Now, thank you so much for having me. Um, I do appreciate um, the time that we've spent. Um, thank you. Great. We'll leave it there. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.